Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. I went to CalArts and I didn't take classes in how to draw. I took a class on how to secede from the country. I took a class on the left and the failure of the left. I took classes on, you know, not working as a radical political position. I mean, I took amazing, crazy political classes because it was kind of like a school founded by utopian Marxist feminists. <laughs> and I think that had a lot to do with it. I'm Kathy Bird, producer of Fresh Art International. This is Fresh Talk with Andrea Bowers. As you just heard, Andrea's studies were rather unconventional. But it turns out she was thinking like an activist long before art school. I was always, as a kid, really passionate about politics. And George Bush's presidency really made me rebel against him. <laughs> and it made me really, like, if all, whatever I can do to help change things, I'm going to do it. And so I started using what my skills are, which is art, to try to, you know, participate or help in any way I could with activists and sort of like activist campaigns. And so I would lend my artistic skills. And I found that those groups of people were so excited to have me participate. And it was a very welcoming experience. And so I've just more and more courageous. I don't think of it as courage anymore. At the time when I first started, I did, and involved. These days, Andrea shapes entire exhibitions around activism. Her art is a call to action that gives voice to concerns often ignored. I've been thinking about what art can do and what art can be rather than what art can't do and what art can't be. So one of the things that art can do is it can bear witness. So I think a lot about how my role as documenting these, I think, undertold stories of these incredible activists or these incredible activist events in a much deeper, long-term way than 247 News. It might not surprise you to hear that a few years ago, Andrea made the news herself. The artist explains exactly how she ended up chained to a tree in the Arcadia woodlands outside Los Angeles. My art practice has made me a more radical activist because I had this famous activist, John Quigley, who's a kind of famous American tree sitter. And I've been following him for years. And he was staying at my house for six months because he was traveling so much that he needed a place to stay. And of course he's an activist, puts all his money into the cause, so he had no money, so he didn't pay rent or anything for six months. And I said, John, you have to trade me something, so I want you to spend a day teaching me how to tree sit, and I'm going to videotape it as a kind of training video artwork. Well, I loved it. I was a little cynical about it. I was like, it'll be goofy, but I actually was really good at it. I don't know why, but I was like really good at it, and I loved it. And then six months later, he called me up and he's like, there's a terrible situation in Arcadia. We're going in and we need you to go. But what they were trying to do was rip out this beautiful, pristine urban wilderness area. And it was unfortunately kind of bowl shaped. Like these trees were beautiful, beautiful oak trees, like 250 trees. But they wanted to clear cut this kind of bowl shaped valley so they could dredge the concrete rivers 
and take all of the debris and soot and dirt and put it someplace. They needed a dumping ground. So I attempted to stop that from happening. It did not stop it, but I think that what it did was it brought attention and stopped future areas for this happening because it brought a lot of media attention. Andrea wove artifacts of her tree-sitting experience into the shimmering green sculpture that's now on view inside Santa Fe's 2014 biennial exhibition. As soon as I was released from jail, which I was in jail for around two days, I guess, I went out to this, I wanted to see what it looked like, and it was devastating. There were these beautiful oak trees, and instead of cutting them down and at least using this, this wood, oak, right? Everybody wants oak they put them in wood chippers and turn them into little tiny pieces. So I didn't know what to do. I just, I had no ideas, but I thought I have this truck. I'm going to fill the truck up with wood chips until I can't like move anymore. And, and one of the neighbors helped me and we filled up the truck with wood chips and I just saved them all this time. So this piece, I used all the climbing ropes that we use as tree sitters. You know, you use like climbing gear. And I've used the climbing gear to make this kind of beautiful, it almost looks like a chandelier, I think. It does. And all the wood are tied in bundles at the bottom because I was really trying to pay homage to these trees and thinking, is there some way I can re-monumentalize them? In a video she produced about the protest, Andre remembers what happened in the late afternoon when her tree was the last one standing just before police officers climbed into a cherry picker to pluck Andrea from her perch, she had a surprising encounter. The weirdest thing happened. There were no trees left, and all of a sudden, animals started to come into the tree we were in because it was the only tree left. We were suddenly swarmed by bats encircling us, all different kinds of birds. There were actually rats running into the tree. I mean, it was... It was craziness because there, it was the last of the little bit of this ecosystem. Bugs, you know, moss. It was, it, was it was devastating. It was depressing because you realized how many other animals' yeah. habitats and, and insects' habitats had been destroyed in an afternoon. I'm happy to report that at least one of Andrea's stories has a happy ending. Her work about activist Tim DeChristopher celebrates his disruption of a land auction in Utah. I've started to think about activists who try to protect the land as heroic because they're not, you know, they're not like, t they're trying not to touch the land. You know, they're trying to protect it. There was, right at the end of George Bush's, George W., uh, a month before he was to leave office, he had a private, quiet little auction that only a few oil and gas men knew about to sell off much of the pristine wilderness area kind of around Arches Monumental National Park there in, in Utah. And this young, amazing activist, Tim DeChristopher, found out about it. And actually, he had been watching the Yes Men. And the Yes Men inspired him that he couldn't just go hold a sign, that he had to do something else. So art-inspiring right. activism, right? And he exactly. walked up to the auction, not knowing exactly what he was going to do. So it was like hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of acres of land. I was listening to him tell it. He thought maybe he would throw a shoe or right. He didn't shout. know. Right, right. He didn't know what he was going to do. And suddenly. But they opened it up for him. They said, oh, are you here to bid? He was like, 
athletic, outdoors. He didn't look like some sort of traditional stereotype of an activist. And he thought about it for a second and he said, yeah, well, yes, I am. And he went in there and he first thought to just bid up the prices because first of all, they were all in on it. So they were getting this unbelievable land that they were going to destroy for almost nothing because it was all rigged. And then he got courageous and started buying it. And finally they figured out that this was a, this was not for real and he got arrested on the spot. But it canceled the sale. But at the same time they prosecuted Tim and Tim did two years in jail for this, federal prison for this. I was actually the only person who went out and recorded. I found every um, parcel of land that he bought and I videotaped it. But I not only videotaped it, I videotaped myself walking through the land. Andrea's practice proves that art can make a difference. Tim DeChristopher's lawyer showed Andrea's film footage and photos as evidence during Tim's federal trial. It was so crazy. I was scared some and the, of the time. the video, that was taken in the winter. Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> but I thought that kind of like frozen landscape would kind of be amazing. And it was. It was really inspiring. I mean, come on, how lucky am I? I got to like hang out with Tim DeChristopher. So all that to me kind of made this a, a really outrageous thing that was going on and convinced me that it was something that, that we couldn't accept, that we had to do something about. And there were some folks having a, a protest outside while the auction was going on. And I went down there for the protest, but at the same time realized that the protest wasn't actually going to do anything. It wasn't enough just to hold a sign on the sidewalk. That Andrea believes in art as agency, in the potential for art to address social and political issues. Art has always been political. It's better for the market if we aren't like that. Because, you know, right away, if you think about just in the States, I'm cutting out 50% of the people who might want to buy my work. <laughs> but, you know, that's not why I make art. You know, I make art because I want to be in service of those political campaigns and activists that, that I believe in. That's my number one goal in my work. But I think about art, too, and what important things can art do? And what can it do in the future? What I mean, can it do in the what, future? Are you setting a pattern for yourself? But you've had this pattern. It's right. not new for you to do what you're doing. That's who you are. Yeah, but you know, you have to press yourself forward and yes. try to do more and more and take yes. on more difficult subjects. Our conversation turns to Andrea's investigation of a tragic high school incident in her home state of Ohio. She talks about what motivated her to get involved. Well, it became a very famous rape case and trial because of the activist Anonymous who found out about this uh, horrific rape, which was that it was the end of summer for all those like summer high school parties where they all drink too much and it's all the football players. And it was in the town of Steubenville, which is like the number one high school football team in Ohio. And I'm from Ohio. Football is big. Anyway, a young woman, like 15 or 16, I'm not exactly sure how old she was at the time, she passed out from drinking and a group of football players drug her from party to party and treated her like a sex toy and raped her. And what was so horrific about it was that they tweeted it, they posted videos on YouTube, and they spread it all over social media bragging about it. And that kind of lack of 
A sense of humanity and ethics was one of the things that I wanted to investigate in this project. But also, on a really personal level, growing up in Ohio, I think one of the reasons I'm a feminist is because culturally it was so hard to be a girl and a young woman. I mean, it was as if, if you know, if you went out with a guy they were allowed to do whatever they wanted to you. You know, it's rape culture, right? I grew up in that, and it's it affects your sense of identity. Like, it's brutal, and we act as if it's not in America, in, in the United States, but it's a horrible thing, and I just didn't want this horrible thing to not, to just disappear into the 24-hour news cycle. A breaking story we're following. Two-star high school football players in Steubenville, Ohio, have been found guilty of raping a West Virginia teenager. The story has attracted national attention. The judge just ruled a few moments ago. When the case went to court, Andrea was there. She found a way to document the evidence that was presented. Her project, Hashtag Sweet Jane, presents the disturbing proof in a room-sized installation at the 2014 Montreal Biennial. I actually managed to weasel my way into the courtroom. They wouldn't let me have a video camera or anything. They wouldn't let me have my phone. And they actually told me, because I was an artist, I couldn't draw any of the images of the people. So I was able to handwrite all of the text messages and Twitter feed that were, well, they were almost all text messages that were used as evidence in the courtroom. And it's literally a document of the rape. It's like unbelievable, it tells the whole story, and it's so violent and so atrocious. But I thought it was important to not be silenced and to always be remembered. And so it's very painful to look at. And I was really nervous because I was using aesthetics and I didn't want to aestheticize a horrific subject, but I also wanted to give something to people that would be emotive. It was a really challenging piece and a really personal piece for me. Andrea is working on her current project in Paris, France with Fantani Touré. The singer from Mali dedicates herself to young women's rights. I'm working with a woman from Mali who's actually one of the first families of Mali. She is an African princess and she was actually raised in a polygamous family and she was forced into a child marriage. You know, she was married off very young and she is one of the most famous singers in Mali and she's stunning and I've been recording her singing and she sings political songs. She has an organization that fights against genital mutilation. That's a tough taboo subject yes, and you know a forced marriage of, of, of young women you know 12 13 14 years old so I'm working with her right now it's a pretty phenomenal experience Andre is joining Fantani to offer new economic opportunities to women in Mali they make like traditional African dresses and jewelry and all sorts of beautiful items to raise money so these women won't do these surgeries. And they're teaching the mother trades. And, and it's kind of, they're beautiful. So I have her on the roof of Louis Vuitton singing. So it's a whole view of the whole city. So it's a video project? It's a video right now. Also, um, the women in Mali are actually making some of my work. We're like working together through crafts. I've done this before. I worked with um, Native American beaters, like beading circles. Beating. 
to talk about climate change and looking at beautiful like group beating projects. So I'm doing it again. Like women's craft. What are they doing for you? Her name is Fontaine Touré and her organization is called Association Columba. It means well because all the women carry the water. But one of the things that she says over and over again that I think is so beautiful, and she says it in French, which is don't diminish me. You know, and diminish, she means like, don't do like these excisions on women. But to me, that term, don't diminish me, is like so powerful. It gets back to the Steubenville rape case, right? So much. It yes. means so much. So they're making these beautiful beaded wall works that say in English and French, don't diminish me. So I think it'll be really beautiful, little but touching piece. I'm Kathy Bird. Visit our website to learn more about Andrea and hear other episodes in our 2014 podcast series on North American Biennials. To learn more, visit freshartsinternational.com. If you like this episode, please let us know on Instagram or Twitter at freshartintl. Help us grow by rating and reviewing Fresh Art International on iTunes. You'll find us anywhere you go for podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.